Technology alone can't solve the challenges nonprofits face, and that's why Neon One provides software that empowers you to manage constituents, all while giving you the resources and support you need to connect to what matters most, your people and their passions. Learn more about how Neon One is helping nonprofits create stronger connections by visiting neonone.com slash weareforgood. Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Becky, our friend's back in the house. You know, I know you don't like to pick favorite children, but I do. And (laughs) Nick Lynch is 100% one of our favorite people. Nick's back on the podcast. We had him, I think, on season two early on. And we just fell in love with Nick Lynch. We were kind of like coming out of COVID at the same time, trying to start something that didn't exist. And I think that there's some sort of connection and camaraderie that just kind of imprints you on people as you're kind of bootstrapping something. And Nick is one of just those great visionaries. And I'm here to tell y'all, you need to lean in because for everyone out there who has somebody that says how your board member, your executive director, your bean counter saying, how do you measure your impact? Nick is about to bring the gold to you today. And he's also going to be answering questions about what the heck are NFTs and what does that mean for the sector right now? How define it? What is the opportunity? But before we get into all of that conversation, we want to reintroduce you to Nick because he's such a good human, such a good dude. He is a childhood cancer survivor, one of the Make-A-Wish first early kids who got a wish. We love his wish story. Please go back and hear that story on his uh, former podcast. But he's also just a passionate nonprofit advocate and founder of Kaleidoscope.io. It's a social media analytics and measurement software as a service platform, and it allows global causes, influencers, and organizations to collaborate and measure their collective influence and impact. We all need this. We're all looking for this. Nick went out and built the thing that he didn't see in the world, and we love you for that. Thank you for pouring into innovation, Nick. And so Kaleidoscope is going to bring transparency and measurement to nonprofits looking to add value or improve their corporate social responsibility initiatives. So we're going to talk about all things impact today, and um, I just can't wait to hear how the company's grown, Nick, and what you've discovered and how you're applying it to nonprofits. So get in our house, come hang out with us. We love coming to Southern California. I love it. Well, thank you. I, I'm super excited. And it just is, I was kind of looking through some of my notes and re-listening to our last conversation. And it's, I feel like it's been a decade in terms yeah. of like what we've learned. The COVID years. Yes. Right? Like, uh, it seemed longer. It's so crazy because when we started Kaleidoscope, it was just kind of this silly idea that if we could just measure impact for everybody involved, then more people would be wanting to be involved and, and impact could scale. That was like the initial hypothesis. And that's sort of what we built to try to like do that, make sure that we could measure as much as we could be as, as transparent as possible and deliver reporting back to everybody. And, you know, fast forward to now, we've sh- almost shifted a little bit, but also like kept true to the data and that 
we actually look at ourselves less as just a straight ahead um, mission impact uh, reporting technology, but really a mission delivery platform, which really mm. supports the management, okay. the measurement and the logistics of social good. Because as we've started to do reporting, it, it, we, we would get people saying, well, can you just manage this for us? And then so management started to happen on campaigns and partnerships. And then it was like, oh, that's interesting. Can you help us deliver our mission too? So like we've been starting to stack up because ultimately it comes down to process people and a product that ultimately is centered in data. And so that's always going to be our sort of North star is how do we collect as much data as possible, learn from that data and inform future campaigns in future and, you know, and in, in, in for uh, future mission delivery and literally build this sort of like cyclical um, data wheel of just goodness. And so that's like what we're trying to build. And that's really what we've evolved into. And we've learned so much and we have a lot of opinions, um, but we are learning a ton. We can't wait to learn a ton more. And it's just been a fun time to be in the space. Okay. So let's just jump in here and brag on our friend Nick here, because I remember your story. I mean, you were flying back from Singapore, if I remember right. And it was like literally a yep. napkin sketch. Okay. And so this is what yep. we talk about on the podcast. airplane napkin stories. I know. Yes, they're the best. <laughs> and you never have enough of them. So that scarcity, that small piece of paper, you know, um, all of it kind of converges. So we just want to like catch up, you know, of where you're at today because you've learned a lot and we want to tap your brain and you just kind of share what you're seeing. But let's start with looking at the current landscape of the nonprofit sector Companies are moving toward impact investing and greater corporate social responsibility initiatives. What trends are you seeing that nonprofit professionals need to be like, okay, that's a signal I really need to pay attention to? Yeah, I mean, for us, our, our, our belief and our philosophy is in partnerships as in, in community building, as, and as I know that you guys preach a lot you know, on, on your podcast and, and everything you guys do. And so what we're, part of the partnership equation is, has always been corporate partners. And corporate social responsibility is not a new concept, right? It's been around 40, 50, 60 years, but it's been primarily housed in the HR unit because in companies, corporate social responsibility has been uh, a means to attract and retain talent. We come, come, come join our company. We clean up the beach every quarter and we, we do good for the world, right? Or, um, you know, stay in our company because we'll match every donation that you give to make a wish, right? Which are amazing endeavors. Don't get me wrong, but it's always been in the HR space over time. Consumer trends, mostly driven by a younger demographic, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in, in a little bit, but mm -hmm. um, consumers are really demanding. I mean, it's a silly percentage. It's like 97 of global or 98. I mean, 99% of global consumers are demanding that the brands that they buy do something good for the world. Um, and so because that's, don't quote me, it's a high, ridiculous percentage last time I checked. But all of that data is driving brands to use that in marketing messages and, and, and direct to consumer messaging because they want to know, um, you know, the consumers want to know that the brand, that their dollars are actually going to something important. So now we're starting to see this migration from HR to marketing, which means more dollars, which again is going to require a different set of processes, a different set of tracking, all a different mindset and a different conversation point. And so that's like the big trend I see is that many, many of these organizations, large Fortune 500 companies who have huge CSR teams or have been contributing to CSR, maybe millions of dollars and building a pretty annual report that nobody reads at the end of the year, yep. is now shifting a lot of that focus, a lot of those resources into marketing and building specific campaigns around their initiatives. The, the auto industry as like a, as a sector has been really good and really vocal in 
CSR. And that's not just like the electric vehicle and sustainability. I mean, that's like, you know, uh, there's there's different automakers that will, I think Honda for Good does a lot of really good stuff. I hear them on the radio all the time, but Honda has a really good sort of CSR program. There's a couple Subaru. other automakers. Subaru has been doing yeah. Meals for Wheels commercials mm-hmm. for years and right? it's been fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's those kind of things. I mean, I was, I was watching, um, well, I'm going to out myself, but I was watching Watch What Happens Live um, with the... Uh, <laughs> I was like, I was a bystander, but it was on, but it was Subaru did like a mission, like on air mission read by, um, I got, I forgot his name. That's I don't, I'm not a habit, but like, those are the kinds of things that we're starting to see is that corporate partners are really starting to see the value of CSR messaging in their marketing and scaling it in ways that they didn't before. And so it's a humongous trend, but that's the challenge is that that nonprofit space is really now trying to figure out how to keep, be a part of that. Okay. I love that you're like challenging this because I've also seen like reports come out that this corporate giving is a really small slice of pie. And so it's easy if you look at the macro level to say, don't prioritize this. However, exactly what you just said is that it's more than just the money. These kind of partnerships, how it's shaping the media, how it's shaping perceptions, how it's shaping realities as a result of that. It is for the taking for the innovative nonprofit that's progressive in how they partner, who thinks, you know, kind of down the road of how this could impact, you can be that partner. And so I love that you're kind of leading us into the conversation with that. I mean, preach on, John. I agree with you 100%. And it is like the time for a nonprofit to be bold and to step into their power. And you have power. I know you feel like you haven't, that you've just been coming to the table with your proposal. It's different now. And I just think like... CSR is up 18% where it was up from 17% last year. And if you have a solid brand and you have a solid mission and you're prioritizing this, I mean, the world is your oyster. And I love that we're having that conversation. So I want to like kind of transition into measuring that impact. Cause I think Kaleidoscope does just a phenomenal job of amplifying organizations cause marketing because you're building all these targeted social media campaigns and you're doing it with measurable and transparent results. So talk to us a little bit about measuring impact and what can be unlocked when you lean into these measurements and data. Yeah, 100%. And just to kind of add into that, that segue, I mean, one of the things that we're talking to nonprofits about from a mind state perspective is they're, they're not only mission deliverers, they are actually media platforms themselves. People go yes. to them to consume <laughs> information. Right. Like they are their own influential platforms like or organizations and corporations want to be aligned with them. Like there is massive value in that. And so in in shifting that mindset and and bringing in sort of the measurement component, we we I've seen a lot of different like acronyms starting to pop up around like like what's the social ROI or what's your SROI and ESG and see like all of these acronyms, which are great, which means the conversation is happening we're kind of old school. We kind of keep it the same. We like ROI, but we call it the double ROI. So when we work with partners on the marketing side, it's really about what's the return on investment for a marketer. And that's the basic stuff, reach, awareness, engagement, you know, clicks, that, that kind of fun stuff that um, really drives the the mission goals mostly for, for a brand. Obviously, they're, they're really um, involved in the outcomes, but from a high level perspective, that's really what drives can they scale these initiatives? And then the second ROI is return on impact, meaning how much did those dollars and the awareness and the reach actually drive downstream impact for the nonprofit, right? You could do a campaign that reached a million people that 10,000 people clicked on and 1,000 people engaged in. 
But if nobody signs the petition or if nobody signs up to be a volunteer or if nobody donates, the ROI calculation is lopsided, right? And so we want to try to find out how do we get a good balance of really good ROI for our corporate partners because it's important that they're involved, but also a really good return on impact for our cause partners because ultimately they spend a lot of time and a lot of resources in cultivating and building these partnerships. And so we really want to make sure that's how we measure success on both sides. And it kind of maybe sounds a little simple, but ultimately we want to make sure that we're driving direct correlations between marketing outcomes and mission outcomes. I mean, boom. yeah, double boom. <laughs> the double ROI. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, I mean, let's get a little like brass tacks on that. So like, what are some of the key things organizations should be measuring? And you can kind of call out, we love doing this, don't do this anymore. This is really a KPI that really matters that you should be tracking. Yeah, I mean, I, I the one of the things that just in terms of like a use case or a case study, I mean, and and maybe stop me if I shared this last time, but when we were when we were we're working with an organization who was doing their first, this was last year, so maybe this was right after we we connected. Um, they were doing their first sort of you know digital or streaming event, and sort of they they were leveraging their sort of legacy think of okay, well, we're going to send mailers out, and we're going to. Uh, you know, send emails out to our 60,000, you know, uh, newsletter list, and, and then maybe we'll do an occasional post. And, and so that the thinking was like majority of the traffic and majority of the success from a mission standpoint, driving signups to the, um, to the events, driving donations was going to be pretty much from their mailers, like their physical mailers and their newsletters. And I said, well, let's just measure, let's just measure this and see what happens. And mailers went out, emails went out, no traffic, no donations, nothing, like literally nothing. And I said, okay, well, let's try some social media. Let's do some posting. Let me, let's find some partners that are aligned. And they started doing posting. You would start to see traffic go up. You would start to see donations go up. You'd start to see event registrations go up. And ultimately just measuring your, you know, the, the, your kit, your key metrics of what you want on the outcomes and also measuring what you're doing to drive those and correlating the, the two it saved them a ton of money on second and tertiary mailers and sending them a ton of time on, you know, creating email newsletters. And really what they just focused on ultimately was that social media worked well. We identified that Instagram was the best platform. We identified that there was certain messaging and certain imaging that worked better on Instagram than others. Right. And so just by measuring those types of things and drawing the correlation between your tactics and your outcomes, that's, it was game changing. And like the, the cost, or their um, their cost ratios were the lowest they'd ever been, partially because it was streaming, but also partially because they just didn't spend money on the things that didn't work, uh, and they optimized and scaled the things that did. And so that's that's I think like for me the most illustrative that gave me the most juice when we started doing this because I was like I knew it, I knew it. If we could just measure it yes. and we could show it, and then that's that's was really what snowballed into what we're doing now. I mean, they're all our donor relations and impact officers out there are salivating at this conversation <laughs> right now because this is what they need and what you want. And I think that it underscores a lot of these tenants that we say on this podcast all the time, which is try stuff. We need to be listening, you know, in a deeper way. And we need to be open to just figuring out where are our people? Why would we push into direct mail if our people are online? 
online and that's where they want to engage with us. And we really need to be intentional about A-B testing and what works and is it the platform. And if you don't have space to try that, that's something I would really encourage you to talk about with your team as you're going into 2023 is making space to find where your people at and, and really creating those engagement points. So love that example, Nick. And, and I want to talk just about something we're seeing at a tremendous level over here in our media company, which is this creator economy mm-hmm. and this influencer marketing um, that's just rising into the world. Talk to us about this creator economy and the potential that anyone has to have influence, to have their voice heard, and to bring community and the things that they care about together. What are you seeing right now? I mean, I, I'm probably the most biased person to answer this, but I, I believe it's the, the future uh, for we sure in, in terms of all media for, for a lot of different reasons. I think on its face, you know, people think of influencer marketing and like Kim Kardashian is like always like the first one that comes up. And then she's, you know, um, sharing on her Instagram account, some new makeup line or some new clothing line, right? Like that's what people I think think of as influencer marketing because it is still new. I mean, it's only seven years old. Like it's like in terms of like marketing, it's, it's still pretty mm-hmm. new. Baby. Um, yeah. But you know, our philosophy is a couple of things. One is that anybody can be, anybody's an influencer, right? Like you could have a hundred followers and those hundred people, if you made a book recommendation, if, if any of those followers read books, they would probably take your recommendation. You're an influencer, right? And, and everybody has somebody who has more influence than them, right? So like everybody can be an influencer. It doesn't really matter. I have seen, um, during campaigns that the most influential people on a campaign are board members. I've seen the board members drive more clicks, more donations, more traffic, more just general, um, you know, activity through a, a post on uh, LinkedIn than a partner influencer with 40,000 followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Right. Like wow. it, it, everybody's influential yeah. um, and, and everybody can make an impact, which is why it's really important to like think that everybody is. Um, but the, part of the reason why I think the, the creator economy is the future is it's multifaceted. It's not just somebody um, who has a following on social media promoting something. I mean, we're in a cultural, a, a, a content rich culture that video is king, followed by uh, king and queen um, and images <laughs> yeah. also are, are king and queen. Right. So like there's just content creation machines and they do it really well and they do it really cheap and they do it really fast. Right. So like it is totally switching so many different paradigms in terms of how communication is being created, how communication is being disseminated and how the communication is being targeted. Like if I was a, if I was starting a e-commerce brand today, I would hire an influencer, like 10 of them to do 10 videos. I would use those videos as my ads. I would use, uh, e-commerce data to target people with those ads, right? It's sort of the same thing if you're a nonprofit starting today. It's like find one person who is deeply passionate about what you do and work with them to create content for their community, use that content to share with the broader community, and then start targeting people that like the same or that are interested in the same cause that you are. And so that's, it's like you can get so many <laughs> different layers with one activation, right? I'm doing the mind blown. Yeah, we knew we were value aligned, but like what you just described there, let me like translate this into into yes. the lanes that we talk about. That's your rabid fans. Like if you have literally the most bootstrap budget, look and see who are your believers, who are your rabid fans, who has influence. This is what we talk about. It's not just about money. It's about who has social capital, who has this crazy following or just this niche following that really trusts them deeply and tap into that power. 
Like that is so absent from literally 99% of anyone's marketing plans in nonprofit. And it's there for the taking. Like you could actually do that outreach today because you have those people probably in your world that are not screening on some wealth report and they're not popping up in through <laughs> traditional channels. So let's take this into like, what are those opportunities? I love your idea of if you started a nonprofit, mm-hmm. what a disruptive approach. What are other opportunities that maybe people aren't thinking about of how to leverage influencers and influencer marketing as part of their mix? So th- I think there's two ways. One is, I mean, I, I really love the content creation piece, right? Yeah. Like really thinking through how how do you work with with these partners to create content? I mean, I the the, the softball example for me is like is make a wish, obviously because it's near and dear to my heart, and so many people have been positively affected by um, a wish delivery. It could be a neighbor, it could be a brother, it could be a cousin, it could be you, right? And so just like if I made it, like, let's say like Nick's make a wish chapter, I just started one here, another one in Los Angeles, we're competing with the other one. You I would did? Go, I, I'm so I, proud of you. Let's I'm the CEO of, the, of Nick Lynch make a wish chapter in LA in this tiny corner of West Los Angeles. What? Which is funny. I can't believe you just casually I, dropped that. That's amazing. I just did it. I just got the EIN while we were, um, you know, while we were talking, it's a whole thing. We just did it. We multitask. So <laughs> I would, <laughs> I, I would live TV folks. <laughs> I, I would literally put a call out and say, send me a video that talks about, you know, how Make-A-Wish has affected you and we'll, we'll, we'll promote it on our social media. You'd get 10, 20, 50, maybe even five, right? But you'd get some videos that is essentially free content that you can now use to promote your mission. And it is deeply, deeply emotional because it's somebody who is directly connected to a mission. So it's not like you're like paying somebody to promote something that they don't really care about. I mean, these are like these are influential people because they had influence in their communities. And now you are using that community to sort of like double, triple, quadruple down and slowly start to build your concentric circles around your mission. So that's like step one, I would probably do that. Right. Um, And that's how I would use sort of influencer marketing in that respect. Taking a quick pause from today's episode to thank our sponsor, who also happens to be one of our favorite companies, Virtuous. You know we believe everyone matters, and we've witnessed the greatest philanthropic movements happen when you both see and activate donors at every level, and Virtuous is the platform to help you do just that. It's so much more than a nonprofit CRM. Virtuous helps charities reimagine generosity through responsive fundraising, volunteer management, and online giving, and we love it because this approach builds trust and loyalty through personalized engagement. Sounds like Virtuous might be a fit for your organization. Learn more today at virtuous.org or follow the link in our show notes. Hey friends, meet our new partner, Gravity. Gravity provides an ecosystem of products to energize, mobilize, and steward your network of believers. One of its products is Community, your force for digital member communities. You know we believe community is everything, and Gravity's community is designed to help take your organization's community engagement virtual and make members feel welcome and connected anytime, anywhere. With its video-first platform, your community can have access to state-of-the-art virtual networking experiences with a personalized feed, a directory to connect with peers, and virtual events all in one place. 
The Coca-Cola Scholars Foundation is a great example of a community customer who uses the platform to connect, give back, and expand their scholar and alumni network. Its community platform allows members to connect by networking with fellow members and alumni to build relationships and mentorships. Learn how Gravity's community engages employees and in return keeps them happy, involved, enriched, and motivated. Learn more at gravity.com. That's gravity, G-R-A-V-Y-T-Y.com. Now let's get back to this feel-good conversation. Okay, I'm going to make an early prediction that Nick Lynch make a wish chapter is going to blow the LA chapter out of the water. And I just want to give a shout out to John Cena, who just this week passed Man. giving the most fulfilling, the most wishes over 60,000. Mm-hmm. So way to go, John Cena he for using your platform machine. for good. He is a force. So, okay. We're so leaned into this conversation and I'm trying to break it down for the nonprofit that's listening. It's like, how can I actually do this? Cause I want to activate and think in this way. And I'm also going to tell you nonprofits, it's going to help you with content creation for days that you don't have to do. This is a working smarter, not harder kind of tactic. So let's dive into like creating content and cultivating community because we're seeing this here and we're for good. We're, we're trying to create community grassroots based learning, education and awareness. And it comes really from the base up. Talk about how nonprofits can really really adapt that content plus community mindset, um, especially if they're starting from scratch right now, what would you suggest? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it's just asking one person. I mean, it starts with one, like, can, can you share, can you make a video about your experience with the cause that we're passionate about? Or do you have friends, right? It's like literally just start with one person and then post it and then ask a couple other people and say, Hey, we just posted this video. Do you think you can make something like this? And it starts to snowball really, really quick, but you have to just start with one person, right? You have to just start with one person, try it out. And, you know, maybe the next time you ask a little bit differently because you learned that, Hey, when I asked my friend, she was like, I'll do this because I'm your friend, but the ask was off, right? Like let's work on the ask. <laughs> yeah. Right. But like, you just yeah. got to do it with one, one person. Right. And then, and then my whole thing is like, it, I'm in like the pull up mode, meaning that like we got to pull up the next person and then we're going to look to the next people above us to pull us up. And then we can do the more pulling up we can do the better. So it's like literally we're just in pull up mode. And so you got to start with one person, pull them up into your what you're doing in your community, and your mission, and then use the power of the two to pull up four and to six and so on and so forth. And so that's like my mentality for all of this in terms of like community building and content creation. So we're not holding out for perfection. Is this what I'm hearing? Right. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I just I hate ship work. creative work. Yeah. Like this is going to inspire other people and it's going to get better and you're going to figure out the cadence to it. Okay. This is like, I've got, I'm like literally blowing up Becky and Julie's text feed right now of like how we want, we need to do this in our own work. But I want to give a space to talk about NFTs because, you know, we got on the phone with Nick. This has been a couple months ago. And honestly, I was like, Nick, take me back to the beginning. Like, I don't even understand what NFTs are. And you were so kind to walk me through, but I still don't fully understand. So let's go slowly through this. Let's, yeah. I'll take a deep breath and explain what NFTs are. Then we're going to go into how they impact us. Sure. I just, some table setting about NFTs is, is that, you know, a year in what they call web three or NFTs is it feels like 20 um, because things happen so fast. The terminology changes. 
ultimately the technology doesn't, but things happen really, really fast and, and new use cases pop up all the time. And so it creates a lot of noise. So if you hear NFTs and cringe, I, I hear you. I do too. Um, <laughs> and, and so the, my journey throughout this whole entire thing is, I mean, I'm a big baseball card collector when I was a kid. So I like to understand and really am passionate about just collecting stuff. My wife says I collect too many things. That's another discussion for another time. But, you know, I, I started because I as we, we did, we launched an NFT for Make-A-Wish for World Wish Day in April of last year. So I still didn't know what that was. I had to learn like, how, what is an NFT? Who, where do you sell it? Oh, what is it? You mint it? I, what is a mint? I thought you only minted current. Like it's a whole vernacular of craziness. And then even when we, we, we created these like tr these collectibles and, you know, tried to give them away to the streamers that were participating in this make a wish charity stream. And they're like, what's an, I don't know what an NFT is. I don't want it. Like, I don't have a wallet. I just, I just hear. Yeah. Right. All, all, <laughs> all that wallet. stuff. Right. So yes. Yeah. There are a lot of challenges, um, for this to become mainstream past the, you know, couple million people that actually are in NFT. So anyway, long story short, it's a crazy world. If you don't get it, don't feel bad. It's absolutely nuts. I'm in it and I still don't get it. I have to like look up things every once in a while. So let's just <laughs> set the expectations there. Thank you. Everything is okay. Yes. So NFT, is it just an acronym? It's, it stands for non-fungible token. I don't think it really matters really in the, in the case of this. It's like what it is essentially is, is, is something that is built on the blockchain, which again is another thing that we could spend dozens and dozens of time on. But really, this is just a new technology that makes sure that there is a, a, a record of truth that cannot be changed unless a community of people agree or validate that it is changing. Meaning that right now, like let's say you go to the bank and you deposit $10. There is one record for Bank of America that says you just deposited $10. And then they look in their records, make sure that it hits your account. And then your account is now plus $10. In the blockchain, if you were to deposit something that you hear decentralization a lot of time, if you were to deposit $10, it would send that message to the community and say, hey, okay, uh, did, you, did you add this, to, uh, this $10 to his account? Yes. And so all of the community has to essentially validate that that transaction happened. So then it is, is tracked. And so essentially it sort of like takes away the one central group of people saying this is the truth and even i can change it if i want and too bad it's my truth as opposed to a community of people that have to agree that that's the centralized truth so i'm going to stop there but does that sort of make sense in terms of what like this concept of blockchain is and like all of that it makes sense and i mean i think the the two words that i always think about when i think of an S Tease is it's a digital asset and yep. understanding what the digital asset is. And, and, and I'm just thinking about why is this even important for nonprofit? Why does right. this relate to what we do and how, and how much should we lean into it? I think is the biggest question that I have. Yeah, I think that. So, yeah. So when it comes to, to NFTs, it's, it is, it's a digital asset that essentially is living on a blockchain. So meaning that you, you would have, it's no longer something that like the government could like take or somebody could take from you. Exactly. All of the community would have to agree that a transaction of you giving it to somebody else or you selling it to somebody else is happening. So like, that's why there's a, a little bit of a unique difference in terms of NFTs as opposed to, you know, just regular trading. And so why I think it's important is I look at NFTs sort of like the new, um, either the new membership card or association card or the new, um, raffle ticket for nonprofits, right? And there's so many things you can do around, okay, if I own this raffle ticket, 
it's, it's, it, you know, I, maybe I bought like a tier one raffle ticket from Nick Lynch's make a wish, um, nonprofit. And that tier one raffle ticket is the most expensive tier. It enables me to win a car, a boat or a house. Um, and maybe I actually want to sell that because I found out that there's not a lot of people buying these tickets and there's a high likelihood that it, it could win. And so I could sell that raffle ticket to somebody else. Right. So like it gives you the opportunity to actually like transact these raffle tickets, but it also, because you own this digitally, you can build programs on top of that raffle ticket. So like, let's say I own this tier one raffle ticket. Anybody who bought a tier one raffle ticket is now also going to be led into an exclusive concert by uh, Tupac. He's coming back by the way. So Tupac oh. is going to come back <laughs> and do an exclusive alive. concert. He's yes. alive. A concert for tier one people. So like having these types of, of opportunities where it's no longer just like a, an email receipt of a ticket, but really like it's ownership of something that is yours and that can be used repeatedly and that people who own that can get additional rights or additional opportunities and you can continually build on that. That's an amazing way from what that I believe to, to build community around a cause you own. This is I have now own this NFT. It means that I stand for this cause. And because I own this NFT, I actually have additional opportunities to participate in raffles and uh, food drive and whatever the case may be, but it's now mine and I can, and there's value to it and there's pride in ownership because it's part of a, of a, of a, of a nonprofit cause. So I think that's like philosophically, that's where I, I think it can go. The, the major hurdles and the major challenges are, is that nothing that has been built today for NFTs and web three is really built for mainstream, right? Like I can't just yeah. like, I can't like buy an NFT like I buy a pair of shoes on Nike.com. Like I have to get a wallet and then I have to move money from to Coinbase. And then once I move money to Coinbase, I move it to my wallet. And I use my wallet. <laughs> like, it's, like, it, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And so I think, but Becky, to your question about should nonprofits care? They should. They absolutely should. They should know that there's value in it. They should kind of keep their ear to the market to see what's happening. We're actually trying to build right now the first um, NFT a donation platform where people who have NFTs can just donate their NFTs and then we can resell them like the goodwill model. Um, and then money would obviously go to, you know, the nonprofit more. So we're testing it right now um, as, as a means to make things more accessible because asking a nonprofit professional to learn all of these other things about NFTs on top of all of the other things they have to learn about just running their organization and learn about marketing, I think is just a challenge. So what we're doing is we're shifting the onus to people who are already in NFTs. They already know how it all works. Why don't you just donate it? We'll sell it for you. And then the money will go to uh, a nonprofit cause um, or, 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 or something like that. And so we're piloting that right now. It should be done like in December. And, and that's something that I, I think would be, could be the first step, and getting nonprofit organizations more involved in this because then we're not asking them to learn a new skill set. We're just acting, asking them to promote and partner. Holy smokes. I mean, right. I think the value proposition here is that it's like this next level of engagement for people that do care about that. And maybe in the future, we're all going to have like this like array of NFTs that we're all really proud of in the metaverse. But like for now, it's a way to see another type of donor that does have an interest in that and finding a way to engage them at a deeper level because we saw that play out with crypto too. I feel like, you know, those that leaned into that and made that accessible had these like Gen Zs offloading massive gifts because they were ready for the moment. And so it's certainly something we need to be paying attention to. And um, as much as we're all kicking and screaming that the metaverse is coming, at some level, we're going to have that as a part of our life, you know, that there's going to be this digital 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For it's sure. Here, I'm just John. not in it yet, I guess. It's already yeah. here. I mean, it is. Well, no, here, I mean, here's the thing, though. It's crazy because, um, you know, I, I even talked to like, la- like executives at some of the largest video game companies who think that the metaverse is BS. Interesting. Because oh. we, already li- we already live in the metaverse because your phone already augments reality. Glasses are starting to become, are going to come out. Apple's building one that already augments. You're already in the metaverse in some way, shape, or form. And so I think everybody thinks of like, I'm going to strap on this like VR headset. I'm going to be in the metaverse. We're already in it, guys. Like people are buying digital shoes as filters on their phone so that when they look at their feet, they have brand new Nikes on, right? Like that's the metaverse. We're already in it. And so when Apple drops their lenses that like we can see much like that's, that's really the like the, the scale of metaverse. But we're already there because Snap allows us to make a you know, I can paint my face like yeah, a clown with a filter or whatever, right? Like we're already there. But if giving is identity and people want to give in unique ways, and I, I think of an NFT as being such a badge of honor in the metaverse, I'm connected to make a wish. Here's my NFT that says that we're aligned. There's a brand influence there. There's a community influence there. And I, and I just, I'm feeling the heart of the nonprofit going, man, I just learned Bitcoin and crypto. And now mm-hmm. that had it, that crashed and, or what, whatever's going to happen with that. But it's like, I think what we're saying is be open to this nuance of the fact that people are engaging and exchanging goods in different ways and how you're not Profits mission can be a part of that story. It can be a part of funding that. I just, I just think this is a great conversation. It's an early primer. We're going to point back to it in five years and just talk about how much it's changed um, since then. But you know, I want to move to story because I think that you know you're a tech guy who just sees markets before they exist. But you're also incredibly hardwired. Like the fact that you would take your Make-A-Wish story and create your own chapter in the midst of doing this startup. It's just so cool, Nick. Like, talk to <laughs> us about a moment of philanthropy that you've seen either with Kaleidoscope recently or somewhere in your life that's really left an impact on you. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that I think has still stuck with me since I learned about this cause is, uh, I mean how much I don't know and how much perspective is so key. I mean, it sounds like no does stuff, but sometimes you just get hit with things. You're like, Oh my God, like that's wow. And so, you know, one of our early clients who trusted us, which I'm so thankful for was an adoption focused, um, adoption focused nonprofit. And, you know, in learning more about them before they came on, just kind of learning about the adoption process and why people adopt and which is really a lot of the times an infertility journey um, and around the, the, the situation around what happens or why infertility and stories around miscarriage. And I mean, heart wrenching stuff that I honestly hadn't, I didn't, I didn't put them together. I knew all of these things happened, but I didn't really understand the, the connective tissue and the complexity of the, of the issue or the cause. And so for me, I think it just always stuck with me that like the work that they do to enable people to have families is, is way more than I ever expected from a life-changing perspective. And so I, that to me, like that's, if you were to, you know, we, you asked me this before and obviously make a wish I'm, I'm super biased to, but like just, I'm a guy who doesn't have to worry about those kind of things. And so I, I really digging in and understanding like the root 
um, impetus for a lot of these conversations to happen. To me, I was like, wow, these guys are absolute life-changing miracle working people. And the work they do is I knew it was important, but it is now way more important that I, that I ever could have, could have thought. So that's, for me, that was the, the a big thing is, is really digging into a perspective in a situation that I just don't know, given, you know, who I am, but I mean, I, I'm very grateful and thankful that they do the work they do. Holy smokes. You know how to poke the emotional bear over here. We're both like doe eyes of like, you know. But we've both gone through infertility and and independently, (laughs) of course, with our own spouses. And so that really resonates. And I I just really appreciate you lifting that story and bringing more awareness to it. Thank you, Nick. You know how all these conversations end. We're going to ask you for your one good thing. What's a piece of advice you could share with our community or a mantra that you'd want to lift today? Yeah. I mean, I think I kind of, I let the cat out of the bag early. I mean, I, the I'm in pull up mode. We have to just pull up. Everybody's got to pull up. You got to pull other people up. You got to ask people to pull you up. I mean, it's it's 2023 is pull up. You got to pull up and show up, right? So like pull up, show up. And so that's my whole thing for moving forward. I think before, um, you know, my mantra always used to be like, what got you here isn't going to get you here. But like, to me, like that sort of feels like dated and very like, businessy let's just pull up together like let's pull up other people let's pull up uh and show up and do the things we need to do and you guys have pulled me up multiple times so thank you and i hope that i can 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 pull up people and continue to pull up people and the stuff that we do dude right back at you holy cow i mean yeah that's what it's all about when we link arms and get in lockstep we can move so much faster and if our values align and we're all chasing the same thing who cares who gets the credit? You know, let's just move faster toward it. So thank you, Nick. And we will always, always champion whatever you're working on because you're such a good guy. And we absolutely love your tech and the way that it is changing the face of not only nonprofit, but the way that people interface and and have impact. So, okay. People are going to want to know how to connect with you and Kaleidoscope. And I want to say, if you're looking at Kaleidoscope, it is not the twisty <laughs> color name. It is Kaleid, as in two things collide, kaleidoscope.io. So talk to us about where they can find you and where they can follow your thought leadership. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, kaleidoscope.io, when 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 the worlds collide and we're, we're scoped in on what we're doing in kaleidoscope.io, you can always email me, Nick, at kaleidoscope.io. Um, and anything that is involving management, measurement, and logistics of social good, that's where we sit in the intersection of data. And so we're here to help across the board and can't wait to learn how we can help um, deliver your guys' mission. Love it. I mean, definitely reach out and connect with Nick because he's he has his finger on the pulse of this, but he's also just a great thought partner and has had so much great experience working with so many nonprofits. So reach out to Nick. It is good to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming back. We um, love this conversation. Likewise. Thank you. And keep us posted on your chapter, your Make-A-Wish chapter. I can't wait to hear the stories that come out of it. It's going to be cool. <laughs> you guys are you guys are going to MC the the gala that we're going to do. You got yes. it. You know how okay, much we there. love galas. So I'll be doing it in my pajamas. It'll be great. Thank you, my friend. Perfect. Appreciate you, man. See you. Thank you, guys. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics? Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. 
One more thing. If you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.